All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. And of course, I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And we are going to break down this 2022 running back class and find the players that fit the Atlanta Falcons. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalFans.com, RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalFans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Atlanta, Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. Uh, you can find all the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcasts Monday through Friday, each and every day on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and, of course, on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to all of the variations of the Locked On Falcons as well as Locked On Sports Atlanta shows. And we want to thank you for making uh, those shows your first listen each and every day. Today's episode is all about the running back position. We've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking quarterbacks and pass rushers or whatever the case may be. And today we're going to be focusing on that running back position. And today I'm joined by none other than Matt Wallman. I really enjoy Matt's work. Uh, you know, he does a lot of fantasy write-ups with rookie scouting portfolio and, you know, is projecting these guys in terms of what they can do, not only uh, in what I call reality football, but also in fantasy football. And we had Matt on last year to talk about last year's running back class because we thought, hey, the Falcons need to go out there and get a running back that can fit this offense. They didn't draft somebody. They did pick up two undrafted free agents, J.B. and Hawkins and Caleb Huntley. Hey, Caleb Huntley's still with the team. Uh, and this year, we're right back in the same place. Hey, let's bring Matt on and talk about this year's court, uh, I'm sorry, running back class. And hopefully the Falcons will actually draft a player this year. And so we'll get Matt's thoughts on sort of who are the players that really fit for this offense. But Matt, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Oh, man, it's always a pleasure. And I get to you know, get in the talk shop with you and to be able to do it with a team that, you know, is my hometown team. So it's it's nice to be able to do a show like this. And uh, speaking of that hometown team, let's talk a little bit about the sort of transition uh, that the Falcons may be undergoing uh, a little bit before we get into this running back class, because we've spent basically a decade, over a decade, with Matt Ryan as the quarterback, with some high-flying weapons like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Roddy White and Tony Gonzalez and now Kyle Pitts uh, and, and all those guys except for Kyle Pitts are gone. Uh, but this has been a pass-first team. You knew that the Falcons' bread was buttered in throwing the football, and Matt Ryan's gone, and um, you know you got Marcus Mariota coming in, and we know that he wasn't necessarily executing these pass-heavy attacks in Tennessee. We know that Arthur Smith comes from that Tennessee offense where it was sort of spearheaded by a Derrick Henry type of running game. Um, and you, you sort of look towards the future of the Falcons, and we don't know what their future is at the quarterback in terms of their long-term future. Maybe they get a quarterback this year. Maybe they wait till next year. But you imagine, similar to what we saw with Matt Ryan 14 years ago, that you know being able to, quote-unquote, establish the run uh, will be very friendly to a young quarterback as the Falcons develop that player, not only for whether it's Marcus Mariota this year or uh, a young quarterback in the future. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on sort of this notion that the Falcons could and should be maybe transi transitioning back to what they were almost 15 years ago, which was this sort of run first identity? I think there's a there's some positives to take away from it, because as we saw last year, the 
NFL started to realize that they needed to force these young quarterbacks and spread offenses to slow down, be more patient by playing a lot of drop eight, cover eight um, type of looks that forced them to be patient and check down or run the ball. And a lot of the, the top offenses started to struggle a little bit because the younger quarterbacks weren't patient enough to do it. And Kansas City is a great example of that. And you're going to see more of that in the NFL because the trend has been going towards these spread offenses. So the, that means that if you're following what the trend has been, you're not too late. Now it's about how are you going to be the trendsetter? And the trendsetter is to look at what the defense has done. Defenses are doing to catch up to that and say, well, how do you, how do you take teams out of the cover eight shell? How do you keep them out of the, the cover two and, and, and the drop eight and the mirrors and all that? Well, you, you run the ball, you run it down their throat. You, you face the, you face the dime defenders or the nickel defenders, you know, instead of linebackers. Now you've got these safety hybrid types and you just run right through them. And Atlanta certainly, you know, they've been trying to build the line to work towards being able to do that a little bit more. You get a top tight end in Kyle Pitts, who is a capable blocker if you want to put him in line a little bit. Um, and, and with Arthur Smith's mentality, it makes sense. And especially with the quarterback like Mariota, who, you know, if we're going to be at our most pessimistic, we would say he's a journeyman and a bridge to another quarterback. But he's one that knows Arthur Smith's system. He's one who understands who can run the football. And he's he's at his best on designed running plays. Mm-hmm. He's not a he's a he's very mobile, but he's not a great scrambler. He's not the pocket manager Matt Ryan was. Few are actually, um, you know, but designed rollouts design type of movement and running plays that get him outside so that you create a lot of variety and unpredictability with your ground game between your back, your, your quarterback. And then if you, whatever you want to call Cordero Patterson, you want to call him your running back. You want to have Davis or the running back they draft in the backfield and Patterson coming out on a jet sweep. And then you fake both those and run Mariota. You have these types of things that you can do to create unpredictability in your run game and then use play action off of that to create easier opportunities down the field for um, Mariota and match up Kyle Pitts and, and, and other receivers in positive ways, especially if Kyle Pitts is inside and then he has to, you know, leak out from the backside off of these play actions and he's got a linebacker on him because they had to play the run. So there's a lot of good things that can, can come into this if it executed well. Yeah. And uh, we'll continue today's conversation with Matt Walbin talking a little bit more specifically about this 2022 running back class and see if they can find some guys that can help them better execute that running game uh, in this upcoming draft. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug again the Atlanta, Locked on Atlanta Sports uh, podcast family, uh, in addition to all the great shows that you get, like Locked on Falcons, Locked on Braves. You definitely want to tune into that with baseball kicking off or, you know, batting off, I guess, <laughs> today. Uh, you know, you also can find the, the daily shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta feed on the same podcast platforms you can find Locked On Falcons. And you get three separate shows with three great personalities. You know those folks from 680 to Fan and 92.9 to Game. And they cover all Atlanta sports. And we'll certainly be covering some of the national headlines that stand out, such as the Masters and more. Uh, and so check out Locked On Sports Atlanta on your preferred podcast platform. 
So it's a pretty big day in sports. You got opening day of Major League Baseball. You got the Masters this weekend. You got UFC 273. Later this month, you got the NBA playoffs. Then you got the NHL playoffs and sandwich in between those two things. is the thing that me and Matt are talking about, that 2022 NFL draft. And maybe you're really excited to see the Braves take down the Reds this weekend. Or maybe you're excited about Tiger. Or maybe you're not excited and you need a little bit more excited. So why not head over to betonline.net, the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. And whether you're talking baseball, golf, NBA, NHL, 2022 draft. BetOnline has you covered with all the odds, contests, and props. And speaking of those props, there's no better place than BetOnline. Who's going to win the AFC North? Who's going to be the number one pick in the draft? Who's going to select Malik Willis? BetOnline has it all. So head to the website at BetOnline.net and sign up today. BetOnline, where the game starts. We're talking here with Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And, you know, want to get your thoughts on sort of this overall running back class. And it sounds like a lot of people think there's not really any stars, nobody that really stands out at the top. Uh, but you also sort of hear people saying that it's a deep class that maybe you can afford to wait to the middle rounds or the late rounds and really find some really good value. Is that a fair assessment of this draft class? I think it is. I would even say that there's probably two guys in this class who are good enough to be almost in that conversation of, of capable of being lead backs right away. Maybe even you could probably even argue three to three to four backs who have that potential, um, even though they're not considered stars, but this is a deep class. And fortunately for Atlanta, there's a lot of teams that really don't need a running back um, at this stage, at least on the surface. So while it seems like, you know, for, a lot of conversations I have, I, I always lead in saying this is a deep class with a lot of talent, but there's not a lot of demand for the position. So a lot of these guys may fall and wind up um, being labeled by a coaching regime as, as more of a reserve due to draft capital. And then in two years when that coach gets fired and there's turnover on that team, the new coach comes in and is kind of like, well, this guy really isn't my guy. A minor degree of example of that would be, um, Kadri Allison, who was, you know, uh, an interesting late round pick out of Pittsburgh who worked his way up. But when the coaching changeover came, you know, I mean, part of it was that they were looking at other players, but he got cut. And then, and then I think Arthur Smith saw what Allison was able to do when they needed him a little bit and said, you know, yeah, maybe we were a little hasty. He may not have been one of my guys when I came into camp here. He may have been the last regime's guy, but He's not bad, especially for special teams, and he can help in a pinch. Now, obviously, they're going to be looking for somebody to bump him off the roster again. But but it's it's those kind of situations, but even more pronounced where there's some players in this class who might be fifth, sixth-round picks or seventh-round picks or even undrafted free agents who could emerge in, into a contributor role. Now, you talk about there's one or two guys in this draft class that could be sort of that feature running back heading right in the NFL – and, you know, I, we know with Arthur Smith, he had a lot of success with a Derrick Henry type of player. Um, you know, I, I'm going to assume that there is no Derrick Henry type of player. But then again, Derrick Henry 
wasn't exactly expected to be Derrick Henry when he came into the NFL. That's why I think he was like the fourth or fifth running back taken in that draft in, in round two. And then was relatively quiet for the first two years in his NFL career, sort of splitting time there. And then we saw him sort of explode uh, once, you know, Tennessee made the switch to the outside zone running scheme under Matt LaFleur and then continue that under, um, you know, Arthur Smith. But I guess I'm curious, is there a running back in this draft class or who are those running backs in this draft class that, you know, may not necessarily follow that same path that Derrick Henry had, but, you know, in in a few years, we could be talking about, you know, this guy potentially being one of the five to 10 best running backs in the NFL. Is there that type of player in this league, in this draft? There are a few that could possibly get there. Yeah. I mean, I think Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are the two that from the standpoint of what they can offer your team are at the top of the board. I mean, Brees Hall, both, both of them are scheme diverse in terms of that you can use them in outside zone, inside zone, gap plays. Walker's a little more diverse in the sense that he can run duo, which is more of a, a very tight crease blocking scheme type of um, you know play that you have to be very fluent at working between tight creases. Um, so both of them are very good because they have the, the explosion, the short area quickness, the acceleration, um, and the long speed. And they carry the load well. I mean, Walker's more of a Ray Rice type, low to the ground, or a J.K. Dobbins type. You know, and the Ravens are a power running team. And if they can, you know, they, they don't mind a short, uh, uh, he's, he's, not, he's not small, he's mm-hmm. short type of player. And that's what Kenneth Walker is. And Hall really has all the talent to become a high-end producer in this league with the breakaway speed. He reminds me a lot of, a mix of two different tracks of players um, in the sense that in one way you can see the ability to kind of glide and make one cut downhill and get, and get into that crease and be a really strong cutback runner, like a Matt Forte or way back in the day, Robert Smith, the former Ohio state star with the Vikings and just look like he's just breezing, just gliding by people. But then he also has some of the short area change of direction creativity that you see from a back like LaShawn McCoy at his, you know, heyday. Um, so there's they're kind of two parts of the whole. He sometimes makes it a little too easy, but he's a fine back. I think down the line, Brian Robinson, who is, you know, um, Alabama back, just like Henry, who isn't nearly as big as Henry, but he's a big, strong back. He reminds me, if you remember Kansas City back in the early 2000s, what, you know, Priest Holmes running mate Larry Johnson for a time. There's a lot of Larry Johnson in his game. He, he has the short area quickness. He, he can pass protect. He's a, he has soft hands. And there's no shame in him sitting behind some of the runners that he's worked behind um, during his career. And when he's been on the field, he's played very well. And he's gotten better both physically and conceptually at his game. Um, some other guys that I think could surprise would include Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers, who is well within the range of what I think Atlanta would want to look for for an outside zone runner. He's you know he's in the 210, 215 pound range. If I could get to 220, very fast. He runs a lot of gap plays at Rutgers that didn't work out well. And so when you know that you're having to like, if you have the feeling you need to look at your watch to see if your polling guard's going to get around on time, you know you're about to get planted, so you need to take action yourself. And so he gets criticized for being a, a shaky decision maker in some cases, but from what I've studied in depth, 
he he didn't have many choices in some of those plays that he gets criticized for. And I think, and he's a very good pass catcher in terms of hand-eye coordination. He reminds me of a little Cam Akers. I think that he could he could give you that kind of Cam Akers style of play. Another outside zone guy like Pierre Strong is certainly um, he's a smaller guy, but gives you gives you that Kevin Coleman kind of outside zone speed. But your bigger dudes that like have the burst and speed to do it. Abram Smith out of out of Baylor. Listen, he was a former linebacker. He has two ACL tears, who and that scares people. But he is the most natural outside zone runner in this class. He makes it. It's like sometimes there are guys, and I'm I'm rare to look at it this way. But there are rarely there are guys. Occasionally there are guys who they just they just have a good feel for a scheme. And he has a feel for how to press and find cutbacks and and how where his blocks are setting up and how to manipulate linebackers that you would see from a veteran outside zone runner in the NFL. And he's big enough and he doesn't have great like cutting ability, but it's that one cut is more than enough for him and he does run for power. Not a great receiver, but if you pair him, you know, he's a guy you get on the second or third day. And he could be good. And, and then maybe other guys I, I would just add real quick to take a chance on that might be interesting from that, that size standpoint. Tyrion Davis-Price of LSU, excellent pass protector, surprisingly fast. Um, and he's and when he's on his game, I think the way he cuts downhill and transitions, because one of the most important things you need to do as an outside zone runner is to be able to transition with a minimal number of steps from an outside heading track to a downhill track so that you can really press those outside lanes. And Tyrion Davis Price does that as well as any back in this class. Um, and while he has had shaky production because it's, you know, um, in terms of what people look for in a first day guy, um, the skills are there for him. See, this is why I love talking with you, Matt, because you always, you know, drop in knowledge in terms of sort of the the traits and the the parts of the evaluation that really make a ton of sense. You're talking about some of these running backs that have this fit in this outside zone scheme that the Falcons were utilizing quite a bit last year under Arthur Smith, a sort of staple of that Shanahan style of offense as the foundation uh, of their sort of offense. And you mentioned at the top of the show, building sort of off of that with the play action and whatnot. I guess my question is for you, Isaiah Spiller, right? He's a running back that has been touted as one of the top guys alongside guys like Brees Hall and, and Kenneth Walker. Um, where does he sort of fit in um, potentially in, in a place like Atlanta? And are, are you maybe concerned a little bit that maybe he didn't test as well as I think some of these other guys did? And does that affect your evaluation of him on the next level? It's a great question, and and where he really didn't test well was speed, his long speed, and I'm more of a proponent that short area change of direction and acceleration are far more important than long speed. Um, and if you want a some great examples of that, you can look at Frank Gore, who ran in any system and had Pro Bowl caliber um, years and played longer at a running back position than pretty much anybody. Um, or you could look at Terrell Davis and and see that he was a four six runner, who or Arian Foster, who also ran in this system, who ran I think a four seven two um, at his forty. But they are both all of them have the short area acceleration and change of direction speed. 
And Spiller has terrific footwork. He's worked on his footwork for years since um, the Footwork King, is, who's a, a very popular Instagram trainer who trains with a lot of guys. He's told me that he recommends his high school kids to watch a lot of my tape on, on um, that I do on social media. And one of those pupils was Spiller back in the day, um, ironically enough. But when I've graded Spiller, the footwork, you can tell he's worked on it. You can see that he has answers and solutions for things that, that come up that are very efficient, but he can also be dynamic when he needs to. The issue that I have with Spiller isn't so much speed. It's that when he runs certain types of plays, usually gap plays like counter, he thinks he can out-athlete people and he'll ignore the blocking scheme for trying to outrun people as opposed to setting up maybe the force defender on the outside with you know pressing a little deeper and then cutting back in behind his puller thinking he can run around people. But that's a maturity issue that a lot of young backs have at this level. So Spiller is an ideal fit for an outside zone. Um, he would be a – I think he's a fine player. He reminds me – a little bit of a mix of guys like Ryan Matthews from the Chargers when he was in his heyday, um, and, or maybe even Deuce McAllister if really things went right. Now that's an old name for folks, but but still he's that type of player that can carry the load for you. He can give you a variety of work in different schemes. He has enough acceleration and power when his hips and pads are aligned to do the job. It's just for me, he has – Details of his game that sometimes have lapses a little more often than what you see from Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. But he's still in my top five easily. Um, and and I think most backs who can either be good gap runners and have enough speed and burst to the outside or um, already play outside zone, they'll all be good fits for what Atlanta wants. Well, Matt, you're in, you're in the correct place to drop names like Deuce McAllister because I still sometimes wake up in cold sweats remembering some of the games he right. had with the Falcons. Uh, he was he was definitely a Falcon killer from you know 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll continue today's conversation. Get a little bit more thoughts, on, um, Matt, in terms of you know some of these other players that could wind up fitting here in Atlanta. We'll talk a little bit more about Brian Robinson. He's a guy that I, I certainly covet. We'll get uh, more. Uh, in depth on that. Uh, and we'll do that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast, guys. But before we get there, I do want to plug the Locked On NFL podcast that's covering all 32 teams, including the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, you can find Locked On NFL on your preferred podcast platform, uh, whether that's Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, or on YouTube. And guys, I want to tell you also about Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's even better than a candy bar because Built Bars not only taste good, they're good for you because they're low in sugar, calories, and carbs, but high in protein and fiber. And all month long, Built Bar has been promoting their puff flavors. Puffs are their first protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy marshmallowy goodness. They come in a variety of flavors, the brownie batter puff you got the coconut marshmallow and in tis the season for you know easter and if you're a big fan of uh peeps you know built bars even got you covered there with their yellow chirps their first mini puff flavor but if you're not necessarily into the chocolate and marshmallow uh maybe you want to check out one of their tried and true flavors i myself just ordered a box of raspberry cheesecake you can go check that out uh you can get the caramel brownie that's on sale as well as so many others so order a mixed box of the regular flavors or order a mixed box of the puffs by heading over to built.com and when you do use the promo code lock 15 you'll get 15% off your order again that's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com 
So, Matt, you already mentioned a bunch of players that really fit the Falcons. I'm a big fan of Brian Robinson, and I just need people to to stay low key on Brian Robinson because he's the guy I've had my eye on for several months now. I just like I'm, I'm glad when I see people's rankings and they don't have Brian Robinson in the top five. I'm like, yes, no one get excited about Brian Robinson so the Falcons can can land him as a steal somewhere, you know, potentially in, in the third or fourth round or whatever the case may be. And I feel like Brian Robinson in particular probably does not get the the same level of hype that we normally know for Alabama running backs because we're so used to these Alabama running backs being these five-star recruits that show up day one on campus and, and are immediate you know star players as freshmen. And Brian Robinson just basically rode the bench for three years and only saw the field as a senior and sort of people are dismissing him. But uh, he is certainly a player that I've had my eye on and been secretly coveting for several months, uh, um, you know, Am I in, 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 in good spaces for the Brian Robinson love? Yeah, he's my running back four in this class, and I have a starter grade for him. Um, he's on the on the tier of for my on the cusp, excuse me, of the starter tier, like immediate starter, and which is a pretty high grade. Um, and that means that he essentially can do it. What I love about him is that while he can run gap heavy runs, if you want him to do that, um, I thought about him as um, when I first wrote about his, wrote him up last year before he decided to stay, um, I thought, you know, the Titans might want to give Dante Foreman um, competition for the primary backup spot, you know, back back then. And now it's like, well, that fits with Smith's, Smith's scheme. And, and it's what I like about him most is that he's shifty for his size, but he also has no illusions about what he needs to be when it's time to get downhill. So you have a physical runner with precise footwork who has a good feel for different types of schemes to run. And so when he, you know, efficient footwork is extremely important because it helps you create solutions. People love the jump cuts. They love the wide ranging lateral cuts. And that that's helpful when you're desperate. But when you're, you know, what often happens is the NFL can make mistakes where they pick players like another Alabama back, Kenyon Drake, who I'd watch him in Miami for his first few years. And there's a reason they brought Frank Gore in, which was to teach him how to be efficient with his footwork, because he used to jump cut into the backside of his of his guards, trying to avoid penetration because he couldn't make the efficient cut. And he'd wind up hitting his head literally on a on a, on a blocker and fall backwards. I've seen it happen multiple times in games where he, because he, he didn't know how to really set things up. And it's those short steps and understanding how those steps time up with your, your, your blocks. And Robinson has those skills and he has the smaller moves that I call them micro movements. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is great at that. The best backs can just make a small dip of the shoulder, a little turn of the head, a little bit of lifting their foot a little bit higher. Alvin Kamara is great at it. And, and the ability to make people miss or not get perfect angles on them. They had perfect angles. Now they have um, unfavorable angles with just a, a small change. And Robinson has some of that to his game. So overall, you're getting a power runner who knows how to be efficient um, and has quick enough feet of like a scat back in some regards, even though he's not going to be as flashy as that but gives you the potential for a three-down guy. So, yeah, if, if the Falcons get Brian Robinson, that is a that is a very strong selection for them. 
Now you, you've mentioned several players that fit and, you know, one of the things that probably Falcon fans listening and watching know that when they look at the types of players that seemingly this coaching staff like, um, they basically over the last year, every running back with the exception of JV and Hawkins, who didn't last particularly long last year as an undrafted free agent, they've added over the last year has been 220 plus pounds, Cordero Patterson, Mike Davis, Quadri Olison, um, you know, Damian Williams this off season, they had Dante Foreman in briefly in the summer before he went back to Tennessee. Um, they seem to have a type. Um, and you've already mentioned a couple of those guys that are in that 215 plus 220 pound range. Brian Robinson's another one of those guys. Are there more guys in this draft class that sort of fit that bill that could potentially be some late round guys if the board doesn't necessarily fall for the Falcons? Or are potentially there are other guys that may not necessarily fit that prototype, but would still be really great fits in the outside zone scheme that the Falcons could potentially, you know, mine late in this draft? Without a doubt. The first one that comes to mind for me as a late round guy is Keontae Ingram out of, te- out of USC, who used to be a five-star recruit from Texas, but Bijan Robinson, that train got rolling early <laughs> and, and Ingram got hurt and he moved on to U- USC. But when you watch Ingram, he has great change of direction skill and excellent vision to create solutions. When you think of Devonta Freeman in Atlanta, when he had to create a lot on his own in situations and he turned three yard losses into eight yard gains. Keontae Ingram has that kind of caliber of change of direction and vision and understanding the blocking scheme to do all of that work. He's not a speedster, but he's extremely quick and good accelerator who catches the ball. Well, he reminds me at worst of like Chris Ivory when he was in new Orleans. Another, I'm mentioning a lot of new Orleans guys in the show, um, <laughs> But, uh, but they all had hundred yard games against but, Falcons. So. Yeah, 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 there <laughs> you go. But like, um, and on the higher end, maybe more of a Kareem Hunt type. He's six feet two twenty two, and he's one of my favorite runners out of this class um, because he can catch, he can run for power, he can go inside and outside. Very good cutback runner. Kevin Harris probably will go earlier than than Ingram, but he has underrated speed. Um, and he is a tough physical runner who can catch the ball. But an, an, another player that I, two players that I really feel compelled to mention, one of them is if you, if you feel good about getting a guy late that you hope you can work into a good role, another South, the other South Carolina backs, Quandre White, is a raw player, okay? Like what he does well He's reacting to, and he has all the flashy movements of a Kenyan Drake. But I think if somebody, if he can work with some people and show that he's a um, fast enough learner to be able to really get a good feel for setting up blocks, even more than what he's flashed at, at South Carolina, I think he could be a top starter in this league. He has the tackle breaking ability, the, um, he has the, the, the excellent movement, the speed, the burst. He can catch the ball. Though all these things have lapses, and they're wide ranges of lapses. But, um, you know, when I, I, I don't like to logo scout, but if I were to characterize South Carolina's um, program, I will say that I've had a lot of coaches in that region kind of write me after I've talked about that program a little bit, and they say, listen, you were nice about it, but what we're going to say tell you is that 
they they recruit athletes, but they, these guys don't necessarily get developed to the level that they're capable of developing. And it can be a bit of a turnstile, um, you know, and there's a lot of athletic potential that comes out, but whether they actually make good on it, it's a different story. So he's the athlete that you're going for the high upside that maybe he can turn into a guy who's aspiring to be a Clinton Portis or a Joe Mixon one day. Um, he has that kind of physical skill. The guy who's the opposite of that, who if I've kind of been saying, listen, if someone would give me money and just said, "Let's we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you you know a hundred thousand dollars and you're gonna bet you can only use it to bet on something, just like as a long shot." We need you to pick a long shot um, prop. And if the prop was, if there was such a prop as who could be the next Terrell Davis, you know, potential Terrell Davis in this class, it would be Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma. I'm Kennedy Brooks is not going to ride the ride for, um, you know, for the size that you're looking for out of Arthur Smith's desires. But at the same time, you know, 5'11", 209, he's, he could probably add another five to 10 pounds and of muscle and, and maybe get there. I mean, Terrell Davis was 195 when he came out of yeah. Georgia. So like Terrell Davis, he's about four, six, you know, runner, not, not very impressive on, on the athletic quotient, but all he does is um, identify pre-snap what is favorable for him to make an adjustment to based on box counts make defenders miss, bounce off hits on all, from all three levels of defenders, you know, and and turn gains that look like three to five yard gains into eight to 15 yard gains and occasionally even break 40, 50 yard runs for you. Um, and there are a lot of good backs at Oklahoma in, in recent years. And as DeMarco Murray, a player I remember interviewing at the Senior Bowl when he was coming out, and talking about running backs a lot with him when I had a chance to cover him. He, he talks about him. He said, look, we have better athletes, and we tried to get him off the field, but all he did was just outplay everybody. Um, he's a very intelligent running back who people just can't get an angle on um, and the most patient running back in this class. So, you know, he, he may not be a high-round pick, but I, if there was a back that I was just going to say somebody somebody told me you've got to make a you know a long shot bet that would be the guy. Okay, I think it's interesting that you mentioned two South Carolina running backs because the Falcons' former running backs coach, who's now the offensive coordinator at UVA, was also the running backs coach at South Carolina a couple of years ago, and so you, you kind of wonder, okay, like maybe that, that's you know they got a little bit of inside track on that coaching staff. Uh, to, to go after someone like a Harris or, or a Quan White or, or whatever the case may be. So they also, you know, that same person, Des Kitchens, was at NC State. There's two NC State running backs in his draft class, and Zonovan yeah. Knight and, and Ricky Person. So it'll be interesting to see if the Falcons, you know, go after one of those guys in this draft as well. No doubt. And those guys are those guys are certainly interesting, too. Knight has terrific contact balance. He's another one who's not particularly fast, but he's a smart running back with great power. Great contact balance. He runs a lot bigger than his size would indicate. Same with Zamir White, you know, the, the, the Georgia product. You would think he's 220, and when you find out he's 206, you're like, well, he runs 20 pounds heavier than he looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a he's a he's another guy that is underrated from that perspective. There are going to be a lot of people who like Rashad White for his speed, 
I'm not on that in that camp, um, but I can understand why people will look at backs like that. But for me, if I'm looking late, Abram Smith, Keontae Ingram, um, those two guys really leave the list from the size perspective. Tyrion Davis Price as well. And then if you're looking for the smarts, but maybe not the speed, quickness, as much as those other guys have, then yeah, Zonovan Knight, Damian Pierce of Florida, Kennedy Brooks are all really smart backs who just find ways to get yards. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is only scratching the surface of the many talented running backs in this draft class. And if people want to get a little bit more insight into Matt's thoughts on some of the running backs in this draft class, of course, they should check out the rookie scouting portfolio. He not only talks running backs, talks receivers, talks tight ends, talks quarterbacks. And, and I know Matt has uh, some differing perspectives on some of the quarterbacks than necessarily the mainstream evaluators do. And so highly recommend people checking out the rookie scouting portfolio. Uh, Matt, go ahead and, and plug, you know, what people are getting with that product. I ordered my copy earlier today uh, as prep for today's episode and was, you know, trying to get to the running back section uh, in it uh, so that we could, I could have an intelligent conversation with you today, but I kept reading the quarterback profiles <laughs> as, as, as what, it, how it goes. So um, let the people know sort of uh, what type of insight they, they're getting in that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm 17 years into this publication, um, and this is a a draft guide specifically, like Aaron said, for the four position groups. And what you get for 21.95 is the pre-draft, a post-draft analysis, as well as a newsletter that comes out throughout the year. And the pre-draft is literally a thousand pages long of content. And what I do is I take you through a process that I've developed that. Um, really shows you how to scout players, you know, and, and it gives you room to be able to make your own assessments if you want to. But I, I rank the players in two different ways in terms of depth of talent, breadth of talent. I give you charts and cheat sheets so that you can just access information quickly if you want to, say you play in the fantasy league, because I have uh, made my living also as a fantasy writer. So, you know, while the RSP is my main income, you know, the fantasy thing is something I've been doing for over 20 years and I'm well established with. So I'm, I, it's, it's football approved, but with fantasy appeal. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say football approved, according to Alex um, Brown, who is the head um, of recruiting for SMU and has worked with Rice as the head of recruiting there, as well as Houston, he says that when he meets with scouts on a regular basis, the two draft guides that, that he sees most commonly from independent you know, independent draft guides that scouts have and personnel people have is mine and Dave Burglars. So, you know, that you can, you know, you can check it out at mountwaldman.com. You get way more from your money than you would expect in terms of the rankings, the analysis, how I break players down, a glossary of all the terms that I use and define the weighted grading scale so that it's very clear what I do. And even my comparisons are based on a spectrum of historical players the post draft is a great fantasy guide that also weighs draft capital after that. So you get kind of my unvarnished look pre-draft. My, um, you, you know, you get my more draft capital aided look of players post draft. Um, has nice shelf life, and you know, for that twenty one ninety five, I donate up to five thousand dollars every year to Darkness to Light, an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children, and by training people, organizations, universities, government groups on how to. Um, you know, identify potential factors that may lead to that, as well as how to handle it when the trauma occurs so that it doesn't compound the trauma for children. 
We've raised over $50,000 for them in the past 10 years and we'll continue to, you know, donate to them this year. And very proud of that. Absolutely. So, you know, not only getting uh, great information for the future on football, but also, you know, uh, donating to a, a worthy cause. Uh, so definitely go guys, check that out at mattwaldman.com. Um, and Matt, I appreciate you coming on this podcast. Hopefully, unlike last year, the Falcons will actually draft some of these players that you're breaking down in this uh, scouting portfolio. And we can have you back on after the draft to give your assessment on some of these guys in terms of their fit, particularly at the running back position. But I'm having a, a feeling that we might be talking quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends as well uh, in, in those future conversations. So I, I really appreciate you coming on today's episode and look forward to our future conversations. Always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So, guys, that's going to do it for us here uh, on this week of Lockdown Falcons. Again, want to plug the rest of the Lockdown Sports Atlanta shows, A to Z with Mark Zeno, uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, and ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste. In addition to Lockdown Braves, check out opening day coverage, Lockdown Bulldogs, Lockdown Hawks, as the Hawks are you know headed towards the postseason. Didn't seem like that was probable a couple months ago, but now that they're on that path. So you can check out all those shows on your preferred podcast platform. And next week we'll be kicking off, of course, on Monday with a mock draft Monday and don't know which player will be breaking down and whose mock draft will be breaking down, but always check out Locked on Falcons. And if you want to provide your feedback uh, to anything we've discussed on today's episode, anything we've discussed on past episodes or anything you want me to discuss on future episodes. Of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons on Facebook or Twitter. Of course, the email address is LockdownFalcons at mail.com or you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel, guys. I appreciate you. I hope you check out uh, Matt Wallman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Of course, you can check out Dane Brugler's uh, Beast that just dropped as well today. And of course, check out the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, which you can find on the same podcast platform which you can find Lockdown Falcons as they will certainly be doing Mock Draft Monday again on Monday. So, guys, Appreciate Matt for coming on. I hope everybody watching and listening has a great weekend.